Welcome back to the 24 Podcast. My name is Joshua Rivers, your host, and I'm excited today to be able to bring another interview with someone bringing an awesome piece of content, an awesome book about 24. And so we have with us Dayton Ward, author of Trial by Fire. Uh, Dayton, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. appreciate it. Yeah, definitely excited to be able to do that. I first heard about you two years ago when I was able to interview the author of the book back then. I should have had this information out, but it was in my head a couple minutes ago. It was either Jim Swallow or Dave yeah. Mack. Yeah, yeah, James Swallow. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had um, I, I had been able to connect with him. Uh, we had a couple conversations, and he came on the podcast, and then he... Um, he threw out your name as someone that was going to be writing one of the books. And so I kept you on my watch list so that when the book came out, I'd be able to try to reach out to you. And so, uh, that's exactly what we did. And so uh, a few weeks ago, I reached out to you, asking if you'd be able to do that since the premiere or the, not the premiere, but the uh, launch of the book was, um, was coming up. And so, uh, you agreed just had to wait for the right timing. And so here we are. And so excited to be able to talk to you about um, about the book, but then obviously everything leading up to the book as well. So the first thing I'd like to start with, though, is your uh, service in the military. You are a Marine. Uh, yeah, I was a Marine for uh, quite a bit, a long time ago. <laughs> Actually, uh, uh, it'll be 20 years since I got out this November. Hmm. So it's been a long, yeah, it's been a while. Okay. Well, I definitely appreciate yeah. your service. Oh, thank you. No, I went in right out of high school and I originally thought I would do my, my first, you know, my one enlistment four years and then get my, uh, GI bill money and run off to college somewhere. Uh, and I ended up staying for 11. Um, uh, I just was like, I was enjoying what I was doing. And, uh, I finally decided at one point that, uh, I was at that make or break point. You know, it's like, if I sign up for one more enlistment, then I should probably just stay in long enough to get the full 20. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife was, you know, me and she, we had been married for a couple of years at that point. We'd already moved a couple of times and she was getting kind of tired of that lifestyle, you know, uh, where you can't put down any roots or anything. And, um, mm-hmm. we were in a decent place as far as where we were living and, and the job prospects for if I got out. So, uh, decided to, uh, leave the service and enter the private sector and then, uh, so be it. That's where we are. So, yeah, my, uh, my wife grew up as a military brat, her dad was in the air force for 20 plus years and he actually still does uh some contract type work as a civilian on uh tinker air force base and so so my wife grew up moving all over the place so now my wife hates moving <laughs> yeah so, i mean i was my dad's a retired <laughs> marine so we moved around when i was a kid all the time oh so, okay I, mean, I never I, I never spent more than two years in the same address you know except for when we finally made it to back to tampa where i was born uh, we ended up back there cause he was on recruiting duty and he ended up becoming what's called a career recruiter, uh, in the Marine Corps recruiting is a temporary assignment where you do it for two or three years. And then you go back to doing whatever your main job is. And he liked it so much. He actually changed his designator so that he could be a recruiter all the time forever. Uh, and that's because of that, he got his choice of where he wanted to go and he decided to take us all back home, uh, where all the grandparents were and everything. So that was the first time I ever lived anywhere more than two years. Uh, 
So yeah, I got I for me it was no big deal, but my wife was like, I'm tired of this crap. I'm tired of packing up a U-Haul every two years and going somewhere and Octus you know. I was trying to angle for like, let's go to Hawaii for three years, that kind of thing. And she mm-hmm. wasn't having it. She wasn't having it. So Yeah. Could do that, I guess. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I've I personally I've never really had an interest in joining the military, but I definitely appreciate those that do and have served and so so I guess that gives you a lot of really good perspective than um, writing a book like 24. And so uh, I guess you were able to pull from uh, your experiences or at least the exposure that you were able to get. I was able to mine it for a few details. Um, I guess we'll get into the plot of the book here eventually. But, yeah, I mean, the setting of the book uh, was something I took from my military background because it was a place that I had uh, been before, visited before. Uh, and because of the nature of the story, I was able to set it fairly close to the time frame that I was actually there living there. So, um, it was, yeah, I was able to draw on a few things here and there. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Now I see that you also a, um, programmer or were a programmer. So what, what kind of programming did you do? I was, I was a software developer uh, for different platforms over the course of many years. I started doing that while I was in the service uh, and then moved out to the private sector. I did basically like you're talking about. I was in the service for a while, and then I worked for a defense contractor for a little bit, and then I decided to put on my big boy pants and go into the private sector. <laughs> so I worked for companies like Sprint and Hewlett Packard. Um, okay. And then eventually uh, I decided to uh, just – I was looking at a layoff possibly – and they offered a nice severance package. So I said, well, you know, I've been doing this for almost 30 years. It's time to change. And, and my wife encouraged me to try writing full-time because uh, I'd been doing it part-time for several years at that point where I would work full-time and then write in the evenings or on the weekends and whenever I could get time here and there. And uh, she, at that point, I had had enough, uh, I had enough credits racked up and I had enough of a contacts list and a contact network that I could, you know, fish for work and, uh, possibly meet my my it salary uh so she's encouraged me to take the plunge and go writing full-time so i've been doing it for about two years now wow that's some awesome support right there so i know uh, a lot of spouses would probably opt, opt for uh what, what can we try to get a little bit more security out of but well, that's, <laughs> well, that's good <laughs> she's the brains of the outfit don't get me wrong because she's <laughs> one of the brains of our particular operation and she's uh, also a whiz with money, and, and, and she's an accountant by trade. Mm. And, you know, so we're, we're covered as far as benefits and things like that. So Okay. Well, that makes it nice then. Yeah, so, it's okay. It's nice. it's nice to have that support net. Yeah, so how did you get your uh, start with writing? You mentioned that you'd done it part-time. I mean, did you grow up um, maybe when you were younger liking to write, or how, how did that kind of get started in your life? I didn't uh I didn't really have any aspirations about being a writer when I was a kid. I mean I wrote I wrote stories here and there for like school projects and things like that, but I never really got bit by the writer's bug until much later. Um I was playing around with some with some stories and uh, having a time good time with friends, you know, stuff you share with your circle of friends and then um I'm a big Star Trek fan, so uh, I was and I was hip deep in all of the the books and comics and games and everything that comes out for Star Trek. And they announced a writing contest back in 1997 for uh, unpublished writers to send in their Star Trek stories and have them edited and selected for a possible publication. Um, so I sent a story into that first contest, and they they bought my story and published it along with you know 17 or 18 others in a in a book. So I had a publishing contract and all that kind of stuff and. 
Uh, I did it a couple more years for the, you know, the next two contests. And then I rendered myself ineligible to enter that contest anymore. Cause now I'm using air quotes, a professional writer. And, uh, <laughs> so they offered me a novel contract, uh, to write a Star Trek novel. And, uh, I've been working for them ever since. Okay. So as, as we get to 2014, um, cause it, it must've been somewhere around the same time then that that's when you were asked to do the um the book for 24 yeah so i was actually asked i was actually asked three times to do the 24 book <laughs> <laughs> uh the first time happened probably i want to say either late 2013 or very early 2014 mm-hmm. and um i was asked if i was interested cuz tor had just gotten the license uh to do 24 novels and I was one of the names that a friend of mine who's also an editor working there, not the editor working on the books, but working with that editor submitted my name as a recommendation along with a couple other people to maybe write one of the books. And so I was contacted and I had to pass because I was committed to another project. And this is back when I was working full time, um, and, and, and writing on the side. So I really couldn't commit to more than one big project at a time. Um, so I had to let that go. And then, um, the editor called me back, I don't know, four or five months later and asked me if I was interested in writing the second book uh, on her contract because the first one has been written by Jim Swallow. And I had to pass again for similar reasons. Um, this is like summer of 2014. Um, so I had to pass again because, again, I was committed to another project. I was probably writing a Star Trek novel for Pocket. And then not a month later, um, I make the decision that I'm going to be leaving the workforce and going to writing full time. And that I don't know how the planets align, but she called me again for a third time and asked me if I was interested in doing the book. And I, at that point, I said, if she, if I sh- say no this time, I'm never going to get another shot. So I said yes. And I'd already committed to two other novels at the same time. <laughs> um, but I said, yes, I want to write this badly. I've been, I, I've been mad at myself for six months for not being able to write it the first two times you asked. Um, so she hired me at that point and, uh, to write what was going to be the third book because uh, she had given the second book to David Mack. So they still had one more book on their contract, and they were looking for a writer, and I finally said yes. Uh, and that began a long journey to getting the trial by fire made. Mm-hmm. So so when, when, when you uh, finally made that commitment, what kind of requirements or stipulations or whatever did they put as far as, okay, you need to do uh, have the story set during this time frame? or what Yeah, kind of- I mean – yeah. Uh, the original plan was that it was going to be a book like the other two. It was going to take place in that four-year gap between day eight and live another day. And uh, like this, like the way Jim Swallow basically – his book takes place immediately after day eight. And then uh, Dave Mack's book takes place a couple of years later. So I was going to tell another story set in that same time frame when he's on the run before the events of the miniseries. Um, I wrote an outline to that effect uh, – I made sure that the details jived with what Jim and Dave had established in their two books. Um, and I sent the outline to my editor who approved it and they sent it to Fox who sat on it for two or three months. Uh, and then they finally came back and they said, we love the story. We, we love this idea. We like where he's going. However, (laughs) um, we want you to write a prequel story to 24, like something set before everything before the, the, the first season and everything else. And so my editor asked me – my editor thought that I'd be mad about that. And I actually thought the idea was kind of intriguing because nobody had really done that. I mean there have been some books that are set before the series but but nothing this far back because they really wanted something before CTU when he was a junior agent at the CIA. He wasn't really 
you know, Jack Bauer, you know, mm-hmm. the Jack Bauer that we know. So um, I went back to my outline and I retooled it uh, with their notes in mind. And they came back and said they loved it and they gave me the go ahead. And off I, w- I was off to the races at that point. Okay, that's interesting then. So, so as far as like the, the doing a prequel, was that easier for you as far as um, trying to write it and not trying to um, like try to keep all the facts straight that's that been presented? Yeah, or- it was. It was a little. It was liberating in in that sense because I didn't have to worry about stepping on anything. Um, I, I mean, like I said, I know that there were there there are books that were published by another publisher that most of those stories are set before the series. And so I tried not to, I tried not to introduce anything that would outright contradict any of those books. Um, but because they had me set it so far back, even before those stories, uh, I kind of had an advantage there where I really didn't have to worry too much about stepping on anybody else. Um, and, and plus, you know, 24 has always been vague about timeline and chronology and how old these people are or when this event takes place that kind of thing. So, there's a lot of gray area with, when it comes to it, so I was able to play in that space a little bit and not really get too bogged down in uh, stepping on somebody else's story. Okay, yeah, and and for this, um, we, we we see it taking place eight years prior to season one, and uh, and actually you you mentioned ages, and so uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, well, I mean, I did some rough math. I mean, they never right. really pinned down a whole lot. So I'm like, well, estimate, you know, guesstimate, you, you guesstimate. Like, um, I think the only thing we know about Jack is as far as his birth date, it comes from another book, actually. Um, it comes from, I don't know if you've seen, I'm, well, maybe you have, but there's a book that somebody basically wrote several years ago that is a congressional hearing about the events of day one. And you get basically a blow by blow, episode by episode, but it's, it's presented as, as a transcript from a congressional hearing. And I think that's where they give Jack Bauer's birth date. Huh. Either that or it shows up on a computer screen for like six seconds somewhere in an episode. But I was able to grab that information and do a little bit of quick math and then, you know, round up or round down to kind of just – I didn't want to get too bogged down in the detail. And I was actually encouraged not to get too bogged down in the detail because they kind of like to keep it loose with mm-hmm. the chronology. I mean I always call it comic book time basically because apparently the way they like it is – it's 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 now in quotes you know wherever we are in the timeline it's still now today in quotes right uh, okay regardless regardless of you know like this episode this season takes place two years after season one and three years after that and i mean you know i mean if we were to do the math i think we're in the year like 2095 or whatever <laughs> and jack is a jack is a great grandfather or something at this point mm-hmm. um so they kind of they kind of just sort of play loose with the with the, with the timeline and i tried to honor that but yet if you're telling a prequel, you can't resist the notion of, of mentioning historical events or real world events that help, you know, tie it down a little bit. Uh huh. So that's what I, I did that. I kind of was vague about specifics, but I did mention things like the Berlin wall coming down. And, uh, I think there's a mention in the book of the OJ Simpson Bronco chase on the freeway. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't think I got that far in the book yet. I'm about a quarter of the way through. Oh, okay. Spoilers. Like Sorry, man. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> well, as we mentioned before, hit record. Uh, we like spoilers, so I, so I'm not devastated by that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so not only is it about eight years before season one, um, it, it takes place in Okinawa. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that's where we find ourselves when we jump into the story. Is Jack is undercover, and he's in Okinawa. Um, 
assisting slash trying to bust um, a um, an arms dealer, basically. So, so I mean, is there anything that you want to tease or let people know about the story itself? Well, I mean, the setup is that Jack is a is a junior CIA agent. He's been he's been recruited uh, because of his skill set while he was in the service, and um, the, you know he shows great potential to be a great field operative. But he's still you know unskilled uh, at this point. So he's he's the junior agent of a two agent team that's undercover, uh, working to bring down this Armenian arms dealer. And in the course of his undercover work, working with the arms dealer. He ends up in Okinawa as hired muscle, basically, for an arms deal that's about to go down. And then the whole thing goes sideways. Um, there's a double cross or a triple cross, depending on how you want to look at it. And the agent in charge of the of the op is killed. So Jack is on his own uh, in unfamiliar territory and with no backup. I mean, his, his backup is not immediately accessible. And this is before internets and cell phones and GPSs and, and all that kind of stuff. So he has to kind of roll with the punches, maintaining his cover and trying to figure out who double crossed who and who's the, who's the bigger threat and, uh, keep it all, keep all the balls in the air in typical Jack Bauer fashion, um, and hopefully save the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you'll have to read to see what happens. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can definitely see, um, that, that there are kind of that, uh, like you mentioned, the things that we know about Jack Bauer, um, as far as like the gut that he has and mm-hmm. his attention to his surroundings and detail and things like that, those are still kind of being fine tuned. But even in the book, they're they're still pretty, um, they're they're really sharp. Um, well, we there, had so. the conversation. Yeah, we had the conversation. My editor uh, and I, and we talked, and they basically Fox's note on how they wanted Jack Bauer portrayed was the, 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 the comparison they drew was river Phoenix is Indiana Jones. And basically that means, you know, young Indiana Jones from the last crusade, the kid. So before he becomes the character we all know, and I'm like, okay, well that, that works to a point, but even as a CIA guy, Jack had skills. Um, he was already a Delta force commando at one point. He worked for the LAPD. If we follow the chronology that the show established, he's already done all these things. So, while he may not be a polished CIA proper agent, you know he obviously has some skill sets that are useful in situations like the one he finds himself in. Uh, but we all know from watching Twenty Four that Jack's very good at improvisation and adaptability and flexibility, and you know not necessarily adhering to the rule of <laughs> of order and, and procedure. So, um, but he's definitely raw in this in this. Uh, He's more raw in this setting than he would be in like the television series. It, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't deconstruct him that far though, because then he's not Jack Bauer; he's just some guy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's nice. I like that. Yeah, it's it's definitely been very interesting so far. Um, and if my work wasn't requiring so much overtime, I'd be uh, be reading more. <laughs> and so, uh, mm-hmm. I probably have it finished by now. But uh, but yeah, I mean, very very good. So. Um, definitely would recommend everyone to go pick that up. So 24 trial by fire. And so, um, I, I would definitely recommend being able to do that. Um, do you know if there's any plans of having an audiobook of it written or, uh, uh not written, I, but. I, uh, if there's not one by now, I don't think there's going to be one. Um, okay. I, I'm, I can only assume that the sales for the previous, previous two, because there are audio editions for the other two. Uh, I can only assume that the sales for those were such that somebody decided a third one wasn't in the cards. Okay. Um, 
kind of like the way the first book got a hardcover release uh, and then the last two were trade paperbacks. So obviously the hardcover for book one did not do, I'm guessing, what they expected. So they, they downgraded it to a trade paperback uh, release for the second and third books. Uh, okay. But, you know, that's the way that goes. With I mean, tie-in, tie, media tie-ins are, are a tough, a tough uh, racket. To, they don't really typically sell in large numbers and they burn really hot really fast, you know, so – um, that's just par for the course when it comes to these types of books. Um, however, you know, when we were writing the three books, we didn't know there was going to be another television show. We didn't know there was going to be another version of 24 coming. Um, mm-hmm. we all thought live another day was it or that there might be another follow up to, to, you know, live another day, but it had not been announced or they teased about it, but there was nothing confirmed. And then all of a sudden, um, I, when did they announce legacy like back in the fall last year? Was it, when did um, it last fall? Uh, I'm trying to think. It was after I Something turned like in the that. manuscript. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was after I had finished my edits on the manuscript, and it was. It was definitely, definitely beyond that. And because I, I remember, you know, uh, writing my editor via email saying, "Hey, did you see the news? Look at this. It's gonna and it's gonna, you know." And at the time, we thought it might premiere in the fall of 2016. And I'm thinking that's perfect. It'll be right about the time my book is hitting shelves. Who whose idea was that? That's awesome. <laughs> um, and uh of course now they're, they're going to push it to uh, you know uh spring of 2017 like they used to do with the with the other seasons so mm-hmm. they can run it all without breaking for you know for for whatever yeah uh, works for me i like it i like binge watching it or i like at least having one episode a week so yeah well i i don't know about one episode a week i mean i when i uh actually we never got into this year but uh the, the way i got into 24 it was i think season four was the one that was actually being aired and my wife introduced it to me. And so she, she said, well, here's this show I saw some of, and it looks like something you would like. And mm-hmm. so, and so we went to, um, to blockbuster back in the days when that was actually <laughs> a thing. Um, yeah. and, and we got the first four episodes and we watched it. And, and as, as we were getting ready to start it, my wife says, well, it might start a little bit slow for, for you. But if, if you, if you give it a couple episodes, I think you'll like it. Well, I was I was hooked right away. Um, I was gonna say I don't remember it starting <laughs> off slow. It starts off pretty. I was there from I was there when from the first broadcast. I I watched it uh, from the jump. And yeah. So I, yeah, I watched the first year, and then you know uh, we I think we talked about this before, but it's um, twenty four was one of the first shows to release a complete season set. So when season two was about to premiere, they released season one as a package. And they even had the first two episodes. They even had a blo- – I think Best Buy even had a bonus disc that you could get the first two episodes of season two if you bought the season one set. Mm. So that so I got to watch that like a couple – like a week or so before the first episode of, of the second season aired. So we were all primed. The pump was primed by the time they showed up for season two. <laughs> and, and that became the ritual. Every year they would, they would release the previous season and my friends and I would get together and my wife and I would get together and we'd have a binge party over a couple of weekends to watch the entire previous season so we could get ready for the next season. And we did mm-hmm. that for every, every season. Uh, and then I kept watching it week to week. I mean, my wife eventually said, you're going to buy the freaking DVDs anyway. Why am I sitting here every Monday? So <laughs> she wanted off to go do something else, but I kept watching it. Uh, um, so yeah, but that's how it was. And, uh, you know, uh, when live another day was announced, in fact, it was funny. Um, it, the, the first episode of that premiered the night 
that I was coming home from a convention in Denver. My my writing partner and I were driving home from uh, Denver to Kansas City, and you know my instructions to him were. No matter what happens, and I know it's already being DVR'd, I will be home in time for the premiere. <laughs> <laughs> so nine-hour drive across I-70, you know, breaking all the speed limits. <laughs> well, I'll make so sure like, to leave that part out so that yeah. police doesn't come. No. <laughs> that was two years ago. Like, you know, that's right. Yeah. He was driving. It wasn't my fault. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's all right then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, awesome. Yeah, so so the first five seasons were all binge-watched for uh, by me, and so watching two to two to four episodes at a time and all that kind of stuff. And so it does play better when you can watch them three or four at a time. Oh, it does. Yeah. It's like watching a mini movie. Yeah. Um, I have never been so brave as to try to watch an entire season in one sitting. That's, that's, that seems insane. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually a goal of mine. One of these days I'm going to do, do 24 in 24 hours. And so (laughs) Uh, I don't know, man, I don't know. I can, well, Uh, I I mean, I I can do it at home, you know, because at least I can put, he could pause and go to the bathroom or whatever. But yeah, (laughs) when people say they're going to do it at a movie theater, I'm like, no way. 24 hours of movie theater, hot dogs and nachos. No way. (laughs) Oh man. Well, I definitely appreciate this. Uh, this conversation and uh talk about 24 um is there anything else that you'd like to mention or maybe you'd like to promote any of the other things that you've written uh, as we close up well i don't know is, is talking about star trek in a 24 podcast like crossing the streams or or, or um... i don't i don't think so i think it'd be oh, all right okay. I'm a, a lot of what i do is uh, a lot of the fiction <laughs> i write is star trek related so uh, and i i in fact my my writing partner and i had a novel come out just last week uh, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the original star trek series um, it's part of a trilogy that was written by one of the books was written by David Mack, who also wrote the 24 novel rogue. And then our other friend, Greg Cox wrote the, the first book in the trilogy. So the three of us or the four of us all combined to write a trilogy to celebrate the original star Trek series for its 50th birthday. Nice. So those are in stores now in paperback and ebook and audiobook formats. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I have a confession. I, I didn't see my first Star Trek movie until I think three years ago. Wow! And so okay. I, I had seen bits and pieces here and there, but I never actually watched an entire episode or a entire movie until until then. I still haven't really seen the, any of the TV shows, and so I, I'm right. like way behind. And so I like what I've seen. We can still be friends. It's okay. Okay. Well, I, I like it. <laughs> I, I just haven't. I haven't just haven't caught up yet. So. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I definitely appreciate it again. So, again, talking with Dayton Ward, author of 24 Trial by Fire. And so you can get that um, Amazon, at least, and Barnes and & Noble and pro- anywhere books are sold, I guess. Anywhere books are sold, support your indie bookseller. So if it's not in the, if it's not on their shelves, they'll order it for you. So Yeah, there you go. So, well, thank you again, and we will yeah. catch you later. Thanks. Thanks very much.